Question for you. If you were hanging out with a few of your friends and a random stranger came up and started talking to you about mental health, asking you questions regarding mental health, how would you engage them? Would you engage them? What would you, what would you say? How would that make you feel? Well, today I did exactly that. I went up to five complete strangers and I started talking to them about mental health. The results? Not quite what I was expecting. I'd love to tell you about it. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Fire and Rain, the podcast where we talk about mental health and its relationship to leadership, the workplace, and your personal life. My mission is easy. It's to help others achieve the life that they deserve. I do this by talking first so that you can win the battle with mental health. In any conflict, there are two sides. And by better understanding your opposition, what its strengths are, what its weaknesses are, what it can and can't do to you, your chances of success are greatly improved. So if you're looking for real conversation that will positively alter your life, you're in the right place. Welcome to Fire and Rain. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is David Lewis. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Fire and Rain. So yeah, I uh, I did a thing today. I did something I don't I don't normally do, which is just go up and talk to random strangers. I'm an introvert, so I get my energy by, gosh, I don't know, not going to your party, not hanging around large crowds, you know, I mean, stuff like that. It's just, that's not my deal. That's not my jam. That's not where I'm comfortable. So me going and talking to random individuals is completely out of the norm for me. But I said, what the heck, I'm going to do it. Um, I had just gotten off work from the fire department, and I was at a gas station. Uh, I was at a Wawa. If, if you're not familiar, familiar with a Wawa, think 7-Eleven, but way better. Selection of coffee is better. They have these amazing old-fashioned donuts. They make you subs and breakfast, and it's just, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool place. So anyway, I had just filled up my gas tank, and I own a side business, and so I was in my side business uniform. I had nothing that identified me as a firefighter, and I see these five police officers on the side of the building. I think they had just gotten coffee. Maybe they were just having a quick morning meeting before they all get in their vehicles and they head out, but they were all there together, and I said, what the heck? I'm going to give this a go, and I'm so glad I went and talked to them. Uh, the results were not what I expected. So I go up and I introduce myself. Hey, I'm David Lewis. I work for this fire department. been there for 18 years. And uh, I know y'all are busy this morning. I just want to know if I can have a few minutes of your time. And they were very welcoming. I mean, I love police officers. Uh, I do. My, my, my son wants to be a police officer. He wants to be a SWAT team member, as he tells me. Dad, I'm going to be SWAT. So I'm like, you go, buddy. But yeah, so I start talking to them, and I, I let them know that, hey, I've got a side business that is related to mental health, and I've had my own mental health issues in the past, kind of briefly go into those, and I told them that I did a survey in my own department related to mental health. I was asking people that 
If you could go back and you can ask your younger or you could give advice to your younger self regarding mental health and the position you're in now, what would you want to tell your, yourself? If you could go back and you could say, these are the things that I wish I knew getting into the career of being a firefighter, the career of a police officer in the military, an EMS agency, whatever it might be, something that's very, probably very stressful, you know, what would you, what would you want to know? And I also asked them, how would you rate the mental health of this department? And I have my own numbers from them. I tried to do a, a good cross-section. And I also asked them, why did you rate it that way? So I didn't have a whole lot of time with these police officers. I know that they're busy. They were on the clock, and they have things to do, places to go, and, and, and work to conduct. So I try to be as brief as possible. But we actually started engaging in some conversation. And I was, I was in right there. I mean, just, it was, it was amazing. As I started talking and sharing what I was doing with this, with Fire and Rain, one of them said, you know, it's so interesting that we're talking about this now because we had just had some pretty deep discussion the other day about mental health. And I was like, oh, well, tell me. And they start going into how there's a lot of sick use within their police department. And it's mainly because individuals just, they're stressed out. They need time off, right? They might not necessarily have a cold. They might not be injured. They just mentally, they just cannot do the job today. It's one, it's one of those days. I'm sure you can relate to some capacity where you've, if, if you have a job, you've woken up and you've said, I just can't go to work today. And that's what this individual was relaying to me. They have a lot of sick use in their department. And I said, well, that's interesting because I think within my own department, we, we, have, we have quite a bit. And I said, you know, we have a rating or I was given a rating. I did some statistical data from the people that I polled. Hey, how would you rate the mental health of this department? Because I think that my department is no different from any other department out there, but it's always good to ask. It's always good to have those numbers. And so that's what I did. I asked individuals, how would you rate the mental health of this department? And statistically, the, the, the average was less than five. So I was right around four. And think about that. Would you want to purchase a vehicle that was rated four out of 10? You know, 10 being the best, one being the worst. Would you do that? Probably not. If your organization was ranked on Google or Yelp or Bing or any of these search engines where you can look at a business or an organization and you have ratings, would you want that type of rating to, to be out there? Probably not. Because right now I can tell you within the field of EMS, the medical field, well, with the exception of nurses, I think there's, there's lots of, you know, uh, there's lots of jobs for nurses, but I know that there's quite a few. They don't seem to be as short as the police department with regarding their staffing. I don't think they're as short with regards to the, the, the fire department because we're, we're extremely short. So if you want to bring people into your agency, you want to look good. You don't want that, that type of rating. But so as I'm talking to them about what the rating number I got from my own department, from a, what I thought was a pretty decent cross-section, uh, they shared what they thought the rating of their department would be. And 
it was like a three. Uh, one of them said a three. One of them said a four out of ten. I was like, wow, you know, it's interesting. And I mean, we just talked. Like they just started opening up. One individual, probably the, I would say he was. He looked to be the most senior there. He he seemed to be the individual that was maybe he he was the highest ranking, and he came right out. He you know, we were we were talking, and and I could tell he he had something to say. And so as I had finished and someone else was talking and he just, you know, out of, out of nowhere, he's like, yes, so what? I've, I've got a, I've got a therapist. <laughs> and I, was, I, didn't, I didn't start laughing, you know, at him. I was just like, man, that's awesome. I told him, I was like, good for you. I said, so do I. I think honestly, everybody should have one. But I was just, I was floored and because not that I was really surprised it was good information to get from them, but just to get, I was floored because it was just open and honest discussion with a complete stranger. They didn't even know me. And they were opening up and telling me things. You know, I could have been somebody that was like doing the whole stolen valor thing, but hey, they just, they just talked to me. And during the conversation, they were saying, you know, we have mandatory sessions with a therapist if we experience some significant things. And I was asking them, I said, well, is this person on this therapist, this counselor, whatever their, their title is, are they on the payroll for the police department? Are they on the payroll for your organization? Or are they a separate entity where you can go there and this counselor, this therapist, they have no obligation to share any information with your department? And the thing is, is that that therapist for that police department is on the payroll. And they were saying a lot of people go to these sessions, if it's mandatory, and they lie. And I was just taken back by that. See, in my fire department, we have what's called peer support. And these are individuals that you can go and you can talk to if you feel like that's something that you need, but we don't have anybody that is like a true counselor, a true therapist, someone that's going to be able to like dive deep and do a 360 type treatment for you. Ours is the initial, I guess, assessment and the initial communication just to kind of break the ice and talk about what's going on, where you're at, and then get you going in the right direction. It's something, and, and I think in a lot of ways it, it is very beneficial, but these individuals they don't report to the the higher-ups and admin. They don't sit down and type reports and send this in and say, you know, uh, Jane Doe, John Doe, they're, they're, they're having suicide ideation. They can't sleep at night. You know, Jane, she's taking XYZ medication so that she can sleep. She's feeling edgy. Um, most days she doesn't want to come to work. You know, same thing with Joe. Yeah, Joe, he's, he's talking about he's, uh, he's yelling at his wife. He's yelled at a few people on the street. And, you know, you, you see where I'm going with this? You have somebody that's reporting back to the organization. And what's sad is that that doesn't build trust. That doesn't build the type of atmosphere you want. Because I can tell you firsthand, it takes a lot of strength just to open up and say, I need help. It takes a lot of strength to open up and say, I messed up. And it, if you've never gone to counseling, if you've never gone to a therapist, 
I truly believe that the hardest thing with regards to mental health that you will ever do is going to be that first step. Because to me, like therapy, it's, I, I, I say this, therapy sucks, but therapy is, it's a must. And that's what I want to talk today about. That doesn't make sense. That's what I want to talk about today. There you go. I want to talk about therapy. Not in a sense, I'm not going to provide any to you. Again, this podcast is not meant to be a supplement for a professional therapy session. I'm merely opening up, opening up. I'm sharing my experiences. I'm sharing what I went through. So in the event that maybe someday you feel like "Mm, not doing so good, I'm not sleeping, I'm losing my temper, I feel like hurting myself, I'm not me. I need to go and talk to somebody. I want to be able to provide some basis, some understanding for you so that when you, you decide to make that move, it's less, it's less scary because it is scary. It, regardless of what I've been in, the buildings that I've run into, the missions that I've been on, you know, getting deployed to Haiti right after the earthquake, sleeping on the airport runway, you know, spiders and tarantulas everywhere, watching people literally get murdered in front of me, like all this, you know, commando stuff and just go, go, go. And, you know, that's the type of stuff that I want to do in life. Uh, regardless of, of all that stuff, you know, you, you know, things, things can break you down and it's okay. It's okay sometimes to, to admit that you, you need to, uh, you need to be recalibrated. And, and when that time comes, you, Having an understanding of what you're getting into, it helps. It helps. Being in that mindset of just go, 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 aggression, it's essentially, we'll talk about this at some point, it's fight or flight. But really, for anybody that's in fire, police, military, EMS, it's not flight, it's fight, right? Because there's something in front of you. And what are you doing? You're running right towards it. A problem is placed in front of you. You're dispatched to it, and you're going to fix it. You're going to correct it, whatever it might be. So it's fight. You get in that, and that you, you that can actually f- physically change you inside. Oftentimes, the way that you can start to recognize that you're being changed inside is when you have a, t- a hard time shutting it down, when you get off work and you can't calm down, when you're taking sleep meds, when you're doubling up on those sleep meds, And then you're doubling up on those sleep meds and then you're adding in a splash of alcohol just to maybe kick it into gear a little bit. You're coming home and you're yelling at your spouse. You're feeling about hurting your, you're feeling like hurting yourself. You're coming home and you're drawing, drawing the the, the curtains. You're, You're shutting everything out and you're sitting in darkness and that's where you're comfortable. You feel unorganized. Your mind is all over the place, right? Those are signs that something's going on. And you're not, you're not in the right state of mind. We're not meant to live in that state of mind, that go, 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 that aggression all the time. It's not healthy for us. So I want to talk about therapy. Before I dive into that, though, I want to kind of share uh, a, a story. Last week, I was talking about my fire. Now, that was a significant event. That was, I mean, boom, I was, I was hit with a rock, so to speak, and it laid me out, holding a dead child in my hand, 
and then turning around and saying, I'm going to go to work and then hiding all of my feelings, not talking about it, you know, led to some pretty tragic things in my life. It led to the depression, the acute um, um, anxiety, the, the, the panic attacks, the, I had some OCD, the, the, you know, wanting to kill yourself is just, I never thought I'd be there, but that's, that's what happened to me. And I know not everybody is going to have that significant event. And I was thinking the other day, I just now started mowing the lawn like more frequently because it's starting to warm up. And I was thinking back to the first time that I changed the blades on my lawnmower. I was out there struggling through it. I'm a YouTube mechanic. I've got like a wrench, three screwdrivers, and I think I could build a house. You know, but I, I didn't have all the tools that I needed, which is happens more times than not. So I'm just out there. I'm mustering my way through it. I, I have a big uh, zero-turn mower. It has three blades on it. We live on about three and a half acres. It takes me on a good day an hour and a half to mow the lawn. And, you know, if you're spending an hour and a half mowing the lawn and when the grass is really growing out here, you, you feel like you're out there two or three times a week mowing it, like you want to be as proficient as possible. And the blades were extremely dull. So I'm out there mustering my way through it. And I had just taken off the first bad blade and I had purchased three new blades. I was going to put them, put the new ones on there, take the old ones to the shop, get them sharpened. And that was, that was the plan. So I'd just taken the first dull one off, replaced it with a, a brand new one. And I'm just sitting in the chair and my son comes out. And this is about five or six years ago. And he's, uh, he's you know, just being a kid, asking 300 questions in a minute. Uh, but one of the questions he asked, he said, uh, what are you doing, Dad? So I said, hey, bud, you know, good to see you. I'm, I'm just changing the lawnmower blades. And he asked, well, why do I need to change the lawnmower blades? And I said, because when you cut the yard over time, you have to change the blades because they can get worn down. And what was pretty awesome is that my son took this a step further. And it, he, he said something that, I'll, that has stuck with me. And I think it's pretty significant. I think it's a great lead-in that relates to you don't necessarily have to have a significant event take place in your life like I did to be worn down. He says to me, he said, Dad, did you know that even the softest grass can dull a lawnmower blade? And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at, in my left hand, the old lawnmower blade, and my right hand, the new lawnmower blade. And there was such a contrast. And I was just so proud of him at that moment. And my proud, I guess, type uh, reaction was, it was laughter. And for him being so, so young, he didn't, under, he didn't understand why I was laughing. And he, he thought I was, I was making fun of him. And he goes into his, don't make fun of me, daddy. And I explained to him, I was like, no, but I was like, that is deep, man. That is so deep. And he's looking at me. He's all confused. He's like, what do you mean it's deep? It, it, I was just, I was, I was going somewhere that he did not follow. It's like taking a bunch of three-year-old kids on a, uh, on a tour of some place and saying, all right, kids, everybody sit in a semicircle. You know, they don't know what the heck a semicircle is, you know. So my, my son, he didn't understand what it meant when I said, that's deep. But so I just basically, I told him, man, I'm so proud of you. Daddy's proud of you. I love you. And, you know, that's all he needed to hear. But I was thinking about that. Even the softest grass can dull a lawnmower blade. So with regards to fire, with regards to police or law enforcement, with regards to EMS or the military, you don't have to go into 
that significant event that is really going to rock your your foundation and get you on a, a straight path, it can be small things over time. Because like I said before, we're not getting dispatched out to the celebrations. You know, occasionally you might have something great like a baby is being born. You, you go there and you help deliver a baby. I mean, those are, those are cool calls. I, I, I really like those, but they're far, far and few between. What are we getting called out for? Um, somebody beat up another person. Somebody shot somebody. Somebody stabbed somebody. Somebody's house is on fire. So there's an arsonist. There's a drug overdose. There's a vehicle accident with a domestic dispute in progress. Right, it's, all, it's all negative stuff. It's all bad every single day. And I love the analogy. I love the comparison of soft grass taking the sharpest blades and wearing them down. And they wear you down to a point where, just like if you were on the lawnmower, you're not as efficient as you need to be. You are actually a strain on the whole system, if you will. You can't do your job well. You can do your job, but do you do it well? Nope. And what do we often say when we feel worn down? Ah, I can fix it. I can get better. But think about it in terms of being a lawnmower blade. If you're still on the lawnmower deck, what's happening? Your job is to go out there and cut grass. And what is the grass doing to you? It's, com- it's continually wearing you down until you're, you're a butter knife, right? You, you've got no efficiency. You're not good at your job anymore. But yet, here we are, we say, uh, I can fix it. I, I got this. It'll get better, right? Sometimes you need to be taken off the deck and resharpened. And the way that that happens, if you have a hobby on the outside. You have something that you engage in, fantastic. That's great. But I would say to anybody that is in police, fire, EMS, military, medical profession that is extremely stressful, such as an ER position where it's nothing but bad, bad, bad all the time. It's just, you know, it's heavy patient load, lots of stress. To anybody that is encountering that type of daily work, Over time, you're going to be worn down. And I would say to you, I would highly recommend, highly recommend you seek professional help. Even if it's just to have somebody already lined up in the event that something takes place. Something that that you witness, something that you're a part of, that you just can't shake, that you just can't let go of. Because I can tell you right now, Let's just say today you're kind of on the edge and you don't, re- you don't really realize it. And the, the reason you don't really realize it is because you haven't been thinking about it. Maybe I'm, some of these statements I'm making, maybe this is jarring you a little bit and you're like, oh shoot, yeah, you know, I resonate with the going home and drinking, being by myself. It's not normal. Maybe I used to work out a lot and I just don't feel like working out anymore. What's going on? You know, I taking meds, can't sleep. I feel like I'm anxious all the time. But when I'm at work, I'm fine. And the reason you're fine is because that's your comfort zone. You've been, you've been institutionalized. That's home for you. I lost my train of thought.
it happens. I also have strokes occasionally. That's where, you know, I like slur my words. So if you just bear with me. But that's what happens sometimes. And so, you know, if you're listening to this and you're saying to yourself, yeah, yeah, that's, I can relate. You know, just think in terms of it's good to have somebody there because I, I recently was talking with somebody. They were having an issue that came up. And they, like I, and like many of you listening, what did they do? They said, I can fix this. I'll just, it'll be okay. It'll be all right. I don't need to talk to anybody. But it's not okay. They're not all right. And when they do finally come around, if they do, I should say, like right now, if you go and you try to get into a therapist office or you want to talk to somebody online, I can tell you it's not going to be an immediate. Like when you're in a crisis mode and you've got some really bad stuff going on in your head, you want to offload some stuff from your, from your heart and just, just talk to somebody that will shut their, their mouth and listen for a little bit. If you need that, it's, gonna, it's, it's not going to be like, like same day. I can, I can guarantee you. I mean, the chances of that are happening are, are, are slim to none. It's going to be, hey, thanks for calling. We can get you in with so-and-so counselor in five weeks when we have an opening. Or there's going to be uh, offices that are telling you, well, they're not taking new patients right now. That's why I say I highly recommend individuals in, in these professions just ever, occasionally check in with somebody and have somebody there that you can reach out to so that you're not a new patient, so that you're not not in their system. And in the event that you need to talk to them, uh, you, you can. So therapy, therapy is tough. It really is. If you've never been to therapy, uh, the first time that I went, my, my expectation of therapy was much like the ending of Goodwill Hunting. I was way off basis, but I think, I think that's okay. I had never been to a therapist. I'd never been to counseling. I was desperate, and I knew that I was going to go, but I thought I was going to go for like one session, maybe two, have a good cry, just like the end of Goodwill Hunting. If you've never seen that movie, please watch it just for the, the, the sake that, so, so you'll better understand what I'm talking about. Matt Damon goes in and Robin Williams, you know, hey, it's not your fault. He has a good cry. He, you know, they hug. Off he goes into the sunset to, you know, live, live his best life, I guess. I, I thought that's what I was going to have. And I, I was very naive. But again, I had no basis to go off of other than movies. And, and it's like that in a lot of ways for things that people don't experience. Right? If, if, you're, if you're a firefighter or a police officer, if you're a firefighter, you understand that um, uh, a structure fire, it, it's not, it's not ladder 49. It's not, it's not backdraft, right? It, it's pitch black. You, you are a crossing guard for the blind. You are operating in sometimes intense heat, uh, high stress, zero visibility most times. And it, it's, it's, it's hard work. It's a lot of fun, but if you know what you're doing, you, you, you know, it's, it's not scary. But it's, it's not all these, you know, you're jumping from, you know, the second floor to the balcony to another balcony and all that, all that crap. Same, same thing with police. 
You know, you, you can't watch Die Hard and expect that, you know, every time a vehicle gets shot, it's going to burst into flames, flip up in the air, and land on its roof. That, yeah, it just doesn't happen, right? But, but people think that's what happens because they, they just, they, they don't know any better. And I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better with, with the, the counseling stuff. So I made the session. I made the first one. And fortunately at the time, I don't remember how long I waited, but I got in fairly quickly and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And, and so I, I've, I ran. I ran from therapist th- to therapist to therapist because I didn't have that goodwill hunting ending, right? I was walking out of these therapy sessions I was pissed. Sometimes I was, I was confused. Sometimes I felt like it was a waste of time. But over time, and as I started, I guess, slowing down from therapy hopping, I realized that therapy is a process. Because I may have had my significant event, and it altered my course. But I didn't get to that place where I was planning on killing myself. I didn't get to the place where I was having these daytime blackouts because my body could not handle any more stress. I didn't get to the place where I had auditory exclusion on emergency scenes because my body said, you have been holding so much inside that something's got to give. And guess what? Right now it's your hearing. The next call, it's going to be your memory. I didn't get to those places right away. It wasn't, it wasn't overnight. It took a long time for all of this stuff to transpire and to build up and get me to a place where I was in so much pain that the fear of living outweighed the fear of, of death. It took a long time to get to that place. And so it's not a fast process to get you out of that place. You have to process things out. You have to talk about them. You have to understand that it's going to be painful. That it's not just a quick crying session and boom, you're done. The therapist, it's, they've got to be a match for you. And once you're matched with the right one, it should be an interview process for you. If you're not comfortable with them, if you're not comfortable with the process that they are going to implement with regards to treatment, find somebody else. You're worth it. There are 100,000 therapists out there. And I learned that I have to have the right one. Now, I say that I, I therapy hopped, but it wasn't necessarily I therapy hopped because I was upset Sometimes I I did so because the therapist was not right for me. And I'll uh, I'll tell you about a few of them. There was one individual that I went into and I shared my story. And I told her from start to finish, this is, this is how we got to a place where we're holding our dead baby in our hands in our living room. This is what transpired afterwards. And you could see this therapist, she wasn't ready for it. She could not handle this. This, in some way, this shook her, and it, was, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't a comfortable session, so to speak. So I knew right away, I was like, she's not for me. I was like, this, 
she doesn't, she can't give me what she doesn't have. And she doesn't have the skill set. I don't think she had the ability to cope with my story. Maybe it, maybe it triggered something in her own past. I don't know. But I could tell she's not the one. I had another therapist that uh, she pulled out pom-poms. If, you've ever, if you don't know what a pom-pom is, just think cheerleader and, you know, those, I don't know, those, like, things that they hold in their hands and it's like streamers, blue and white, or whatever the school colors are, and they're shaking them. Well, she had pom-poms. And so I, <laughs> I, I mentioned earlier that, um, <laughs> it's just so stupid. I mentioned earlier that yeah, the, the therapist will give you homework. And so uh, it, most of them did. They would give me things to do and then come back and we talk about them. And uh, I remember that it's like anytime that she felt that I did good on homework, she would pull out her pom-pom from her drawer. She would, and she would start shaking them and she would just, you know, yay, David. And <laughs> I was, I was so uncomfortable. I was like, this is nuts. I was like, yeah. Uh, you know, so I was, I smiled and mustered through it all the meanwhile I'm saying to myself, I'm not coming back next week. And, and I did, and I, you know, I had to, I had to leave. And then I had another therapist that I would go in and I told my story to, and she's like, well, we're going to try, we're going to try color therapy. Coloring is really what it is. I'm like, well, what the hell? All right. I've, I've already been through all this other crap. Let's, let's color. So we, we colored, uh, well, (laughs) we colored, but the reason we got to, we were coloring is because after she pulls out the. I think it was actual crayons, not like uh, colored pencils or anything like that. She pulls out the crayons and the the little magic rainbow pony that I was going to be coloring or whatever it is. Uh, she says, well, you know, I've, I've had a hard day too. Um, I'm going to color with you. And that was, that, that stood out. And I was like, oh, well, that's, that's not good. You, you're having a hard day. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be coming to you for help. And, you know, you're in here. You know, you're, you're taking it, <laughs> you're taking an opportunity to get some therapy too. And then I, I give her another shot. I come back in and, uh, the next week we're going to do progressive muscle relaxation. I'm like, all right, you know, coloring sucked, didn't jive with that. Let's give this a go. And next thing you know, we again are doing progressive muscle relaxation. And it's we, because after she explained the process, she goes, and you know what? I got a lot of stuff going on in my life. I think I'm going to do this with you. And I was just like, oh boy. Yeah. You know, this is an individual that you want to trust and you want to, you want to, you want to pour into knowing that they're going to take all your problems. They're going to rearrange them in some fashion. They're, they're going to, they're going to give them back to you. You're going to be able to process them, process, process them out of your head and, and you're going to improve. You're going to get better. No, not her. I really felt like every time I, I went in, whatever we, we were going to do, uh, she, she needed it too, because obviously she was not, you know, not well, uh, or, <laughs> uh, she wasn't recognizing that that was not helpful for me, maybe for somebody else. It, it, it would work, but there's some great therapists out there. There, there, there are some that they know what questions to ask. They know when to ask them. They know how to ask them. They know when to not ask questions and just to sit there in silence and look at you while you process everything, while you collect your thoughts, you make your next statement. And they know how to interject and then they know how to guide you. And, and I love that. It's like an art for 
for some of them. So I want you to think about that. Think about what I said in the beginning. The softest grass can dull a lawnmower blade. You can be super sharp. You can have all your stuff together. But over time, you can get worn down. It happens. It happens to everybody. And there's no shame in it. There's no shame. I hope this was helpful, helpful for you. I hope it resonated with some of you. I hope that to some degree, this is reaching people. That's the goal. I told you the mission was to live victoriously, but the, the vision statement is to live victoriously. The mission statement for Fire and Rain, it's to scale. And it has nothing to do in terms of finances. This week, I help one person. Tomorrow, I help two. The day after that, it's four. It's scaling. That's the mission statement, to scale. Help people so that when you get off work, you're not going home, and you're not opening another alcohol bottle. You're not taking crazy amounts of sleeping pills. You're not yelling at your spouse. You're not sitting in the dark with the blinds closed saying, it'll all get better. You're in a place right now that you should not be. And it's okay to ask for help. And I hope this motivates some of y'all, if this is you, to reach out and get help. Not through me. Again, I'm not a therapist. I just promote vulnerability. I talk about my own mistakes so that you don't have to make them. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. I look forward to hearing from you. I'll have contact information in the show notes. Until next week, God bless you. I love you all.